thank you so much my darling i'm so grateful <laughs> thank you i've been really looking forward to having you on the podcast and allow me to introduce the viewers to you i wish to officially introduce you properly so letoya johnston is the first person in africa to be named transgender fashion icon by bbc world because of her sharp eye of fashion and including the minorities and the marginalized communities in the fashion scenes before Latoya's tireless efforts, there were no models living with disability or LGBTQ models included in the fashion industry. Let's start from the beginning. Latoya Johnston is a diploma holder of social work and, and a transgender peer educator, a trainer of trainees, trained by the branch of Kenya Ministry of Health, NASCOP, which is National AIDS and STI Control Program, she is a trained HIV and AIDS counseling psychologist and a community champion for transgender community. Latoya notes that transgender persons are not intersex, and she will engage me today in the understanding of the gender norms, the importance of inclusion of transgender persons in the healthcare system, public spaces, and sensors. So Latoya, allow me to give you time now to properly introduce yourself. What have I learned out? I think you've really said so much that it's really amazing. Maybe just to add on to it, I'm also a catwalk coach and I'm also a backstage creative director and a fashion stylist who is um, one of the contributors for the um, newspapers that is the Nairobian, but also I've worked with different uh, magazines and uh, recently I was one of the jury for the um, African Art Media Awards that was held in the United Kingdom. Yes. Wow, yes. that is so impressive. And I am so happy again that you're here. So why don't, why, let's just get right into it. I just noted that when I was reading your introduction, you actually yeah. say that transgender people are not intersex people. Could you yeah. clarify that? Or could you please educate me and my audience on what intersex is and what transgender is? Yes. Um, uh, so there has always been a bit of confusion. Whenever you tell somebody that you are a transgender woman, they always tend to think that you've got two genitalia, which is not the truth. So anyway, who is a transgender person? A transgender person is a person who was either born male or female and assigned male or female at birth. But while they are growing up, they came to realize that they were born in the wrong body. So this makes the brain sex and the sex that they were assigned at birth completely different. And this one influences their gender roles, including the gender norms that they always possess. Because whenever we are talking about gender, it is how you express yourself. So a transgender woman is always a woman, so will always be expressing themselves. However, intersex persons is uh, a little bit complicated that I do believe that an intersex person is the one who can basically explain. However, with my enough or rather little knowledge, it is that a transgender person is an individual that has got an ambiguity. Hmm. And this ambiguity could come in the form of being born with the two genitalia, or you are either born male, but then in the inside you might possess a womb, 
or you might be born female and then in the inside you might actually be having ambiguity that can actually make you male or female so most people think that transgender person have got two genitalia but that is not true when you are born either male or female it means and 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 also whether when you are born male or female and assigned male or female at birth it means that everything that is in you mm. are of a male mm-hmm. or of an individual that is female so yes. a transgender man means that they were born women just like Diana is a woman now mm-hmm. however they are growing up they realize that or you start noticing that um you are more like in the wrong body you ought to have been in the body of a woman but due to um uh a lot that we cannot go into now so the mm-hmm. sex that is in your brain you mm-hmm. see you are, you are a woman you were born a woman the only thing the yes. only difference is that the body that you present is the one of a man or of a woman so that's the difference okay. between transgender and intersex person yes so that that then brings me to the the next question which is at what age or at what point did you notice that the gender assigned to you was not what is authentically you that mm. at what point did you notice that because you say you know you were born male um and then you you realize at some point that this is not who i am your your mind was in conflict you are not feeling like um let's say being the male gender that had been assigned to you so at what age did you decide and then at uh, not decide but what did when did you discover or when did you begin noticing and then how did you now start communicating to maybe the people around you and then eventually to the world to say i am letoya johnstone and i identify as a female transgender woman mm. all right so while i was growing up um i was a woman i could play with the girls there was no problem i was wearing girls clothes but that might have also contributed with the fact that i was coming from a a, a poor background and um as you know anything most of the girls were the ones who were before me and for that reason their clothes were what i could always use uh to dress in as you know in the african culture or rather not all african cultures but my home when you're coming from poverty you don't choose what to wear they just want to cover you are and so, your other siblings were, were were girls yes most of them were girls so um one thing that is happening is that um i was always wearing as a girl and this one has nothing to do with my gender or sexuality i want people to know that um uh, while growing up i was always a woman even the people that i could play with even the way i could really do the generals like cleaning the house taking care of people doing the cooking i had started doing them from when i was young in fact when i was 9 years old i started working as a housemaid and while i was working as a housemaid i could always wear dresses when it is needed dressing was not really a big deal however while i was in high school you see now attraction starts to happen 
And whenever attraction starts to happen, then you start waking up. But then people start to get to know who they are at, or start questioning when you are like around 12 years old. Because then people start to want you to conform to the gender that you assigned to at birth. You are supposed to wear trousers, you're supposed to go to the boys' schools, you are supposed to put on clothes like a man, you understand me, or the yeah. male thing. And um, in primary, I just knew that is a school uniform because nobody teaches you about school and everything. It is a uniform and you're supposed to be like this, but that did not change how you present yourself. So it wasn't really such a big deal to me. But then when I was getting into high school, then uh, I was asked to stop behaving like a girl. Those could have been the questions that could have been there. So people could really go to my parents and tell them that um, people are saying that your child is a woman. So your parents start to beat you up or start to tell you things, thinking that they are fixing you, thinking that they are um, correcting you. Or they start praying for you, they start asking you not to do that. They tell you things like, you are embarrassing us in the community. You are embarrassing me whenever I go to school. You are embarrassing me whenever I come for, um, uh, whenever Parents' Day is called on to. And then everybody just talking about how you are walking, how you are speaking, how you are carrying yourself. Can't you just be masculine? So it's more like they want you to behave like your father. Wow. But never conformed to that. I was always being me. So it never even crossed my mind. Even when I was in high school, mm. I remember my name was Pamela. Mm. Wow. Yeah. In high school already? In high school already. So um, uh, after high school now, then the pressure started coming in and it was crazy because then you are expected to do, to fix the gender roles that are always assigned to a male figure. So that's when things went mayhem. But yes, at around 12, you start to kind of get to know because people are talking, but at the, the age of 15, going to 16, because mm -hmm. then by that time you start liking boys. Mm cannot talk and you cannot say mm. but even if you have somebody who also likes you you can't say anything because growing up in pure background of poverty that means extreme village and for that reason you can't talk about sex you could not talk about because sex was actually perceived to be uh, uncouth and was only for married people not know that people could be doing it so it took mm. me quite a long time too yes wow and okay so that's interesting and when did you come out to the public because i mean when we look at our african culture it is true that sex is something that is forbidden <laughs> ideally it is forbidden it's not even that when you turn 18 you are then able to have sex or 21 it's actually very forbidden and it's you know you do it in marriage in the sanctity or <laughs> you know yeah. in marriage uh, and so that one that one is well understood but then 
you know, you tell us at 12, you began to notice that there's something different. And then at 15 to 16, you are now very sure that you're more aligned to the female gender role than, than you are aligned to the male gender role. So at what point did you not then come out and how did you come out? Did you come out to your family? Did you come out to your friends? Did you wait until you got the opportunity to travel to Nairobi, which is a bigger city, you know, the capital city of Kenya, where we are, that then you are able to speak your truth? How did you go about it? Because I'm sure this interview will probably help other people. Um, yeah. Help other young people that may not even have a chance. Maybe they're suppressing themselves. And we mm. see, you know, we'll get later to the effects of exclusion when it comes to transgender inclusion or mm. you know or exclusion and and so on and so forth and the consequences of what happens when we don't include everyone in society but then just knowing that the longevity of this discussion will be beyond today beyond whoever is tuning in live or the, the people that live today how did you manage to come out and you know how would you recommend people to be compassionate towards that journey when somebody dis, you know con, uh, uh, discloses to them or confides in them about uh, their gender identity um number one it is a hard i don't know well when we are talking about the african culture we are mostly talking about the poor people who are actually um always in the village and believe in the bible and in the culture that is fixed in them but not those people who are in the city and also people need to remember that there is classism in the african culture there are rich people whose children went to go i mean went to study abroad and so were their parents those ones are easy to come out to however when it's come to my side um uh, you can never ever come to your parents. <laughs> you can never come out to your parents when you are coming from a village where I am coming from, where marriage is sanctity and um, being a man, actually the gender man or male is something that is glorified because it is looked at as a God, as superior and supreme and the continuity of legacy. Of, of the families, you cannot right. come out and say that, hey, listen to me, I am a woman and I'm fabulous and I want to live my life like that. You can't do that. So anyway, um, I started working with Medicine Sans Fonse, which is Medicine Sans, uh, which is um, an ungovernmental organization. Uh, it's an international NGO. And uh, while I worked with the, the organization for quite some time, like around four years, and uh, I got my strength because then I was able to provide at home and then I could really get leverage. Uh, and uh, it's so funny and interesting how I knew who I was. However, people were calling me gay because during my time, they had no differentiation. Nobody have ever heard of the word transgender, even myself. So whatever they could call me with, I could actually just like not argue about it because that was the only term. Nonetheless, when I came to Nairobi, then I started researching more because I was working with an organization that is called Women Fighting AIDS in Kenya, WOFAC where I worked also for three years wow. and, um, and and uh, that was in Kibera DC Health Center, that was mm -hmm. where I was based. 
But then I kept on walking around, working in different hospitals or going for different um, uh, uh, symposiums and all that. So during this time, I was living all by myself. I was making my money mm. and uh, I got into the fashion industry and um, I don't know if you could, but you guys, I don't know if you I mean, maybe you could remember during those times of the catwalk, but I came to Nairobi to start modeling when mm. I was, I had just joined Form 1. And nobody wow, knew. that is how young you were at the time. Yes. And nobody I, remember, I remember seeing you in some catwalks, so you were hanging around these fashion circles, uh, but yes. we never really got to talk because I was also a bit reserved. Yes, but exactly. Yes. Nonetheless, um, when now the media started like really paying attention to me, my work started getting noticed. I could always be like around the likes of Oriya Rogoman Dooley during the Kenya Fashion Awards. So people were just like trying to ask, who is this person who's telling models to start to walk with the left leg instead of walking with the right leg? As you know, Kenya was mostly having the beauty pageantry taking over as compared to fashion, fashion yes. yes. I fashion, they were all walking like beauty pageant. So I'm the one who couldn't change it. That, you know, you need to start the walk from your left and walk from the right. Apart from you, who went for the thing of Africa and you people were taught the right way. Yeah, we, I actually got the distinction between high fashion and beauty pageantry, but yeah, it was a struggle. <laughs> it was a struggle in the local Kenyan market. So anyway, that is how one day every now and then you are around people and um some people would really love to have you around but then they don't know who you are or what you are as they could put it so they could ask you are you gay and you could be like no not and they could be just like oh you're a pretentious person you're gay and you don't want to agree oh we saw you looking at so and so like this or so and so was looking at you like this and the way you are smiling and getting coy Latoya you're just a girl but then they didn't know the definition so um, when Miss Audrey Mbugwa uh, came out as a transgender person and started having conversations that were impactful may god bless her soul she's really such a wonderful iconic figure that i do really admire and respect that was when i started now googling and trying to find out uh to know uh what is this about so that is how i came to learn about who transgender persons are and that was when i was like oh my goodness this one is exactly i am yeah but an interesting thing is that when I thought that I knew how transgender people were, because I was using my own lived life experience uh -huh. to, 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 to make define everything, it. exactly, yeah. to define it, I came yeah. to realize I was so wrong in mm -hmm. several ways. You can be a transgender person and your lived life is completely different from how other people are feeling. More so when it comes to a personal life, like let's say dating, attraction, what are people attracted to, what do people prefer, uh, there's really a lot that is going on. So it took me some time and I learned several lessons. Wow. Nowadays, I'm telling the stories according to my life and right. not all 
transgender people's lives apart exactly. from when I am talking about general things that are facing us yeah. all. Yeah. yeah. So it was, it was in Nairobi was when I came out as a transgender person. Mm-hmm. And at that time, like you said, you are you are you had a job, you were able to provide for your family, and therefore, and then you worked for an ungovernmental organization that also allowed you to be yourself, right? As a humanitarian yeah. organization. So mm-hmm. I want to bring the discussion to transgender rights because maybe uh, people out here, especially in our context, may not understand uh, ex- exactly what we mean when we say transgender rights. And just by definition, or rather to define what transgender rights movements are, this is a movement to promote the legal status of transgender people, to eliminate discrimination and end violence against transgender people regarding housing, employment, public accommodation, education, and healthcare. So Mm. talk to us a bit more about transgender rights and your experience of transgender rights or lack thereof in Kenya. Yeah, actually that is really a good question because this year, just like last week, is it last is it last week we were talking about democracy and uh, human rights and yes. talking about like the human rights mm-hmm. and um i came to learn that there is nothing democratic whenever it comes to the transgender persons i think it is just like across the world however i will narrow it down to kenya because number one being transgender is not even recognized in any constitution, it is not recognized in the healthcare system, it is not mm-hmm. recognized in um, it is not recognized in education system, it is not mm-hmm. recognized even in documentation NS, uh, NSSF NHIF like mm-hmm. it's like we are existing in the limbo so mm-hmm. whenever people are talking about uh, mm. dignity and uh, respect to human rights, I yeah. always feel we are always left out because number one, mm. um, you can still see that we are mostly leaning towards um, what the um, uh, the gay communities are doing, like whenever we are repealing Article 162. I do mm. believe that we are supporting it because then it is leaning towards us. However, mm. it is not really all that. It's more like giving us way, but we've been left out completely. Yeah. So we do not have the freedom to movement because there is a constitution. Mm. Uh, there is a clause in the Kenyan constitution that is stating that um, someone who is personating can get a jail term. So most wow. of we can be charged with the personation because they think that we are cross-dressing and this cross-dressing or personating is going to make us um, engage into, uh, we are having ill motives or get mm-hmm. into crime and, and, and get, scot- get out scot-free. So mm-hmm. that one is putting us into trouble. Um, most transgender persons, are finishing high school then they come out and this one interferes with furthering their studies so most mm. of them always ends up being sex workers but whenever you are a sex worker when you are arrested how do you even identify so this is the main reason so all this discrimination 
both from the government and from the general public, made us all to come up with what we call National Transgender Survey, which had to, number one, uh, it was like really brought in by the Trans Alliance, which is a mm-hmm. governmental organization that is based in Kisumu, Western Kenya. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, it was to number one, mm-hmm. uh, prove that transgender people do exist and they are there. And it is not only one, and it was not only Miss Otrumbugwa, it was like a bunch of other people who've not yet come out mm-hmm. into the media. So wow. number census had to be done for just transgender only you understand me so mm-hmm. national transgender discrimination survey mm-hmm. was done number one identifying who if uh, who the transgender persons are mm-hmm. number two counseling them and talking to them and making sure that the data was collected and the statistics was there Yes. Number two, we were to share mm-hmm. um, our lived life experiences. Mm-hmm. And number three, we were to actually um, bring about how mm-hmm. we are affected by HIV and AIDS and mm-hmm. how we are not able to travel or we are not able to access mm-hmm. anything in the government, including the voting process. Wow. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, somebody's calling me. May I hang the person up? Yes, please. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. No mm-hmm. problem. Yeah. So, as I was saying, um, all these data were to be collected, the lived life experiences, what we are going through, through the police. Then, uh, also... The statements that had been recorded in as much as they were uh, not, nothing was done, but at least mm. somebody went to the police and came back with, uh, what do we call it, whenever you report, you come back with the uh, OB number. Yes, yes. All these OB numbers had to be collected and had to be put and the police had to be notified. And then also in the court cases, people could be asked things like stripping and also the transgender people, whenever they are arrested and let's say they got into, they were caught into spaces that could allow them to go to jail. They were not being, they are still not being put in the women's cells. They are mm. being put in the male cells. So you yes. see, all these systems Mm. noticed that the human rights was not being practiced and Mm -hmm. then also we had to learn the hard way number one you had to learn the language that the government is speaking Mm -hmm. number two you were to talk and provide evidence which is Mm -hmm. data number three when it came to census we were left out but the intersex community were and this is depending with how They've always been fighting and being there. And the intersex persons, they were looking at it like, oh, you know what? This is something that is um, understandable because it is biological and it is proven by science and mm-hmm. biology. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think at even some point, the United Nations put us into the mental health category because they thought that we were psychotic. Now, that one has been removed right now. 
When we are talking about workspaces, by the time I came out as a transgender person, mm. that is how my work ended. What? And up to date, from the last time that I worked, I think it is like around four years ago now, I am a trained HIV counselor, a parent counselor, a counseling psychologist. I have like uh, also a certificate in HIV current issues. And uh, apart from that, I'm also a peer educator, both for young people and transgender persons. So before, mm. for the transgender persons, it was just for young people. Mm. And uh, you realize that nobody could allow me. And all I could be told is that Latoya, you really passed and you did a wonderful job. However, mm -hmm. we cannot have you get the job. As you know, we are working in the community and this is the community of Kibera. And they will not feel comfortable with a transgender person dressing as a woman coming to work. Mm. It was like, oh my God. So I kept on also sending papers to other NGOs and I was not able to get. So my papers are just in the house and I'm not practicing. Mm. And uh, that tells you how difficult it is for a transgender person. And whenever we leave that one alone, let us come back to healthcare system. You, Whenever you go to the hospital, all the hospital documentation Apart from recently that they included the intersex persons, it is it used to be male or female done. So if you are transgender, you could not get the service or you could not be properly documented. So that is how the data was being left out. Mm -hmm. And uh, whenever you are going for Kipande or what we call uh, identification card, um, going to get the identification, to be issued by identification card, what mm. they request is your birth certificate. And on your birth certificate, these were the names that were assigned to you at birth, what we call the dead names. Mm. So most transgender people, including myself, we are still using the names that were assigned to us at birth. But mm. then, yes, there is only like a leeway through change of names. And this one is not because of the transgender people, no. Mm -hmm. It's because anyone is allowed to change their name so that when a woman is married to a man mm -hmm. or vice versa, mm -hmm. then they are able to change their names into their husband's name. Right, right. So that is how we got away with that. So it becomes a right mm -hmm. that, oh, anybody can change their name. But mm -hmm. then it will come to the gender marker. Now, when it's come to the gender marker, that one is a story of another time. We are not getting away from that. We are still fighting. So they'd rather put it as a transgender or they make us feel as women. And the only yes. person who only fought for this is Miss Audrey Mbugwa, who took the neck in court and they changed all her names in the papers. And mm. uh, also challenged the um, people who are issuing IDs and uh, the gender marker was changed but mm. it was just left blank from the stories that I hear I stand corrected. Mm -hmm. So there is no male, female or transgender in it, it is just left there blank and that mm. one is the first success of gender people that we've ever gotten. Mm. So you can imagine driving license, you want to go to get a um, COVID-19 test, 
But then these politicians who are supposed to be addressing all these things in, 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 in the parliament mm. are so because they feel that it is too sensitive for them to do so they would lose votes. Yeah, yeah. So they, they would rather stay away from that conversation. I wonder who sits in the Human Rights Committee, but we'll get to that. I'm just looking at the data on the discrimination to the transgender community, and I, and I actually see that the transgender persons suffer significant health disparities in multiple areas, and specifically the transgender community experiences healthcare discrimination in approximately one in four transgender people were denied equal treatment when they go to access healthcare services. And I know you've said it's just beyond, um, beyond, first of all, it starts with the identification, the gender identification, because then mm. the data or the data that ought to be captured is not then captured and therefore interventions whether, you know, that could guide policy are not put in place because no one is capturing the data right. Um, what has been your direct experience with that and what would be that call to action that we should plead as um, you know, a people that care about human rights in its entirety such that we talk to them, we address them through this video and we say this is what you ought to consider, these are the discussions we ought to have because today it is me and tomorrow it is your child or your grandchild and that's when it will come home and we now then want to now talk to government, but you will no longer be in government. You will no longer be there to help create this legislation that protects all human rights. Yes. So, um, and number one, uh, as you know, Diana, just like a few weeks ago, like around three weeks ago, while I was working, coming from uh, a private showcase of uh, Kikoromi, which was um, a Macrit, uh, like showcase before they showcased in Nigeria, it mm. was for us players in the in the fashion industry mm. to see the looks before they could be showcased in Nigeria, which happens a lot. So, on my way coming back home, mm. two policemen attacked me in civilian clothes. And okay. it got so ugly that I had to start recording for them to get to know mm -hmm. that I'm joking. And it got me because I'm, intel I'm intelligent enough to ask them, number one, you cannot arrest me when you are in civilian, because you need to, number one, show me a warrant. And yes, I do understand that a police can arrest you without a warrant if you've done something that is beyond needing a warrant. So I did not kill somebody. I'm not doing uh, hard drugs. I am not engaging in money laundering or anything whatsoever. So what could really warrant for my arrest? I rarely don't even go to clubs, you understand? So you can't say that you're confusing me with somebody. I'm a very private person. Um, uh, they attacked me and the first question that they asked me was, Mm -hmm. Are you a man or a woman? Wow. That means they knew who I was. Mm -hmm. By the time they were asking me that, they yanked out my wig and they were running their hands between my legs. Remember, my skirt was short. Mm. And now it's more like they were trying to expose it to the people who were there. And you know, between prestige, and, and the, uh, I mean, between that Eastland hotel and the light, all the street people are always selling there. Mm -hmm. So you could imagine 
the kind of embarrassment I went through under the mental health. So I asked them, number one, who are you? And when they say that they are policemen without even saying their names, I asked them, what is your, um, uh, uh, show me your uh, card that is showing that you're a police officer. You're An identification, your badge. Yes. yes, I needed your budget number. I needed to also know who is the your senior on duty right now. And then secondly, I needed to know why you are arresting me. And then third, I want to know why whenever you are coming to arrest me, then you're asking me about my gender instead of asking me what my name is. And then I told them, now that we are live and everybody can see you, you claim that you are, you are coming to arrest me. Take me to the police station. They did not take me to the police station whatsoever. Because I told them, no, let us go to the police station. You've arrested me. You said that I did something wrong because for you to warrant for my arrest or for you to do whatever you've done, including yanking out my hair, you wanted people to see me without my hair for who I am when I do know who I am. So take me to the police. They never took me to any police. But I lost my passport. I lost my identification card. And uh, apart from that, again, uh, I lost a few of my belongings, including the medicine that I was having in the bag. Because while you are talking to someone, the bag yanks anything and everything falls out because actually it was a clutch bag. Did so, you manage, sorry Letoya, did you manage to report this case to now an official police station and you know, what, what's, what's the status with that uh, incident? And I'm very, very sorry for that. I think I saw it on Twitter and I did see some human rights activists also just um you know expressing their disappointment in you know the cases of um abuse from you know the men in blue or the men in in you know administration police and i think um yeah you really got some public support but i think beyond that did you get to report the case is it being followed through do we now know who those uh, officers were and what is what is the status of that case yeah um uh, number one being a human rights defender thank god at least i was empowered enough to know the procedure to go to so yes i went to the police station and i reported i have an ob number which i did a screenshot and posted it on social media when i showed them um the video uh the police officer said well it is true those police officers are our own and they were on duty on that day and i think they are giving me full information because i recorded including the car number plate so if it was not that it is a case that could have just been thrown away so the whole thing here is this police officer is asking me to provide evidence and this evidence is in form of a witness. I needed to go back to where I was assaulted to get someone to come and write a report because that should be a witness. And I'm like, how can I even get people when those people don't even know them? 
I was walking on the road. I was coming from work and now I'm heading home. So that tells you the kind of discrimination that is happening more so from police officers. Because let us be realistic. We've trained several police officers on transgender issues. Even the DCI himself knows about the transgender issues and who these transgender persons are. And this is the reason as to why we are getting confident going to the police station to report a police. Because if it weren't because of that, then it could have been tough. So nonetheless, um, I reported, I've got it, and I'm still waiting for them to investigate. Things are still quiet, but hopefully something will be done. And as you all know, I also don't want to put myself at risk and become uh, the police number one enemy, whereby whenever they look for me, they want to shoot me or they want to do harm to me. As you know, Kenya is a corrupt country, and sometimes things don't really happen well. So that is why I'm also slowing down because I'm also not getting support from either other human rights. I'm not getting uh, full support from any organization that is just like, you know what, Latoya, let us go with you and take you there. Let us remove you from where you live so that we can take you to a safe space. Oh, Latoya, let us offer counseling psychology because of the trauma you went through. Oh, Latoya, let us like really try to find out how you are feeling and get to see what we can do. Mm. Nothing that has happened. And this tells you that people whenever, whether it is non-governmental organization or human rights defenders in Kenya, they could be talking, but on social media or when they are talking, they could be talking to the DCI. But personally, I've never seen anybody who's calling me to put me down and talk to me and tell me, Latoya, we are holding your hand. We want to be offering you this vehicle. You go with them. And then as you are writing your statement, we would want to be there as witnesses as we get to see this thing followed up for us to get to know the way forward. I've not seen that. So it is more like I'm thing all by myself. But I'm not doing anyone because people do their things the way they do. I'm just speaking my experience.